It's always amazing uh, to me how uh, God will work in your life kind of through the day, and particularly if, if, you're, if you're going through a certain situation or you have certain thoughts on your mind and thinking about uh, our lesson for this morning, uh, how, how already today, uh, I believe God has kind of reinforced for me uh, this, this message. Uh, we'll be studying Psalm 46, and we'll see in just a minute, it, it is a psalm in which uh, trust in the Lord is emphasized. And overcoming life's anxieties and fears. And so this morning I was spending a few minutes on social media. Any of you know who Bob Goff is? He wrote a very, I knew some over here would. Uh, he, he wrote a pretty, uh, pretty powerful little book several years ago called Love Does. If you haven't read that book, go, go read it. Uh, an amazing guy if you ever have an opportunity to hear him speak in, in person. Anyway, this is a typical Bob Goff statement, and it, again, it just kind of fits with our theme this morning. He says, fear is a punk. Don't let it push you around anymore. And that may be kind of a paraphrase of Psalm 46, you know, as we're encouraged uh, to trust in the Lord and not be afraid, whatever life might, might throw at us. And then, and then the second thing this morning, Tate, I really appreciated uh, your uh, communion thoughts today. Uh, you will remember back in January, I challenged this church uh, to have kind of a personal verse of the year. Does anybody remember that? They're on the board out there, you know. And mine is Colossians 2.8. Where, where are you? Yeah, Colossians 2.8. So, you know, right here. You know. we're, we're connecting uh, today. I appreciate Kyle leading A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, many of us will remember Martin Luther through uh, the Reformation, maybe a, a study of Reformation history, and Luther is primarily remembered as one of the great reformers uh, back in the 16th century. But he was also an accomplished musician and wrote and composed a number of, of hymns, several of which are in our uh, songbooks even uh, today. But the hymn that we just sang is probably his most famous one, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's based on Psalm 46. And the words that Luther chose uh, to compose this hymn, again, reflecting on Psalm 46, reflects his awareness of, of our humanity and how often in our lives we feel overwhelmed and it is difficult maybe for us to even have a sense of hope that we might overcome life's difficulties and uncertainties. It is said that he often would say to his partner, uh, Philip Melanchthon, hey, let's sing Psalm 46. So not only has it become uh, one of our favorites through the years, evidently it was Luther's own private uh, favorite. And even though this psalm was written over 3,000 years ago, 
it remains very relevant to us today. Because in many ways, life has not changed. We still face difficulties. We still have circumstances come upon us that overwhelm us and can discourage us. And often we feel defeated through those times. And so Psalm 46 provides us with words of hope, words of encouragement, words of assurance. We don't know for sure the historical context of this psalm. Certainly, the text that I read earlier this morning from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19 would, would fit. Uh, in fact, some Old Testament scholars will suggest that King Hezekiah is the one who wrote Psalm 46 because it was a dark time in his reign over Judah. Sennacherib, as I already mentioned, had in Assyria, had conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And now Sennacherib and the Assyrian army, the dominant world power at that time, threatened Jerusalem. And things looked bleak. And so Hezekiah cries out to God, and Isaiah goes to him with the words of assurance that we read. And so whether this is the context or not, it certainly fits. And so this morning, you may find yourself in a time of darkness. You may find yourself in a circumstance in which you feel maybe there's no hope. Maybe you are at a place in your life where you're just overwhelmed with anxiety and stress and maybe even fear. And so this psalm is for you this morning. This psalm is for all of us as we seek to put our trust in God. It's a very easy psalm uh, to outline. If, if you'll notice at the end of verses 3 and 7, you probably see a little word in your margin. It's spelled S-E-L-A-H. In Pontotoc County, Oklahoma, we pronounce that Selah. Now, I don't know how you might pronounce it. And what's interesting about this is, is you see this word throughout the Psalms, and uh, scholarship generally agrees it's some kind of music uh, notation, but there is disagreement as to what it exactly means. Um, suggestions include uh, a, a rise or, Stephen, is the term crescendo? Are you impressed that I knew that musical term? Yeah. It, 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 or it may indicate kind of the opposite, a, a, a pause. Uh, probably uh, the most um, creative explanation, one scholar suggests that every time David uh, broke a, a string on his harp, he had write Selah out uh, in, in the margin. Now, I, don't, I don't know about that. Seems to me it, it, it kind of suggests a pause. And so if that's the case, this psalm easily divides itself into three sections, verses 1 through 3, 4 through 7, and 8 through 11. And in each of these sections, the author emphasizes God. And again, when we are faced with life's difficulties, to whom do we turn? 
Who do we look to for assurance? To whom do we look for, for security? Where, where do we go? What do we put our trust in? And the message of this psalm is we put our trust in God. So verses 1 through 3, the author seems to particularly emphasize God's protection. God is our strength and, and refuge, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The psalm begins with uh, the author emphasizing three things about God. He says, first of all, God is our refuge. A, a, a word that we see consistently applied to God throughout all 150 psalms. Uh, the words suggest a stronghold, a safe place, a secure place. You know, if you live in Oklahoma, you have a safe place to protect you from tornadoes. For the writer of this psalm, God is that safe place. God is that safe room where we are to go when danger threatens. But he's also our strength. And there's really no other way to define that word. I mean, it just suggests what our word strength Suggest God is strong. God is mighty. God cannot be defeated. We can trust in him. But then the writer also says that he is an ever-present help in trouble. And we don't find this phrase as often as we find the other, the other two words attributed uh, to God. Uh, ever-present, we would say 24-7. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. God is available. And the help, the word translated help there is a difficult word to translate into English because we might get the idea if, if we have an, a helper, it is someone who assists us in some way. Well, God assists us, but that's a different word and a different idea. This word means that we find ourselves in a situation where we cannot save ourselves. And so God intervenes and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so in that sense, he helps us. He rescues us. He saves us. And so these, this first section concludes with this idea, consequently, we have no reason to be afraid. But then in verses 4 through 7, the writer, the, the, the thought kind of shifts from God's protection to God's presence. Twice in uh, this, this section, the writer emphasizes God being present among his people. It begins this way. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. 
God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 46 is often also referred to as a psalm of Zion. It's the first of about eight to ten psalms in which one of the themes being emphasized is Jerusalem and God choosing Jerusalem as as his place of residence. During the time of of David, the tabernacle. Upon David's uh, death, Solomon then built the temple. And so the significance of uh, the temple in Jerusalem being uh, symbolic of the presence of God. And so the writer here is reflecting upon that fact that Jerusalem is God's town. Sort of like. Russell Westbrook used to be, Oklahoma City used to be Russell Westbrook's town. It's, it's not that any longer, you know. But, but the point here is God never left the city. God was within her. God protected her. And so God's presence is, is realized by providing for the city the protection that we've just discussed in verses 1 through 3. And the refrain that we find in verse 7 and the refrain that that also occurs, the same thing in verse 11, also emphasizes the relationship. He's the God of Jacob, emphasizing the, the covenant relationship that God has with his people. So God's protection, God's presence. And then in verses 8 through 11, the writer emphasizes God's power. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And again, the refrain that closes, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In these final verses, the writer illustrates God's power, illustrates God's strength, how he is is undefeated, so to speak. No one can uh, stand before God when he exerts uh, his power. He emphasizes God is in control, that God desires peace. And I think even... Um, even if it's, it's subtly, he emphasizes a glorious future that certainly awaits us. But he does something interesting uh, in, in the closing uh, verses here. He shares four imperatives or, or commands uh, to uh, the audience or to those who, who would sing uh, this particular hymn to kind of drive home this point of who we are to put our trust in. The first one is, is come. Uh, it could also be translated as, as go. Now, why, why do we come or why do we go? Well, the second imperative is to see. And the word that's translated see there has the idea of, of looking, of investigating, uh, even upon investigation to, to perceive some, some things. 
And I, I, I kind of like the, the uh, older translations. It chooses the word behold. Now, that's kind of an old word, but it really, for me, captures the idea of what uh, the writer is saying here. Behold, look, perceive, understand, know what God is doing among you. And then perhaps the most famous uh, little phrase from Psalm 46, be still, there's the third imperative, one uh, modern paraphrase says, stand at attention. I mean, God is trying to get our attention. And when we are still, when we stop what we're doing, we are then to look to continue this process of recognizing, admitting, acknowledging, even the idea of confessing who God is and the fact that God is in control. So we have this, this beautiful psalm in which trust in God is emphasized. And the writer uh, drives that point home by emphasizing God's uh, protection, his presence, and his power. And so this morning, as we conclude, I want to suggest four things, uh, four ways that we might apply uh, this particular uh, psalm uh, to our lives today. And as we sing it, uh, whether it's the older version or the newer version, uh, or we're just reading it in our devotional time, uh, to reflect upon uh, these four things, again, to help us trust in the Lord more fully. Number one, seek to know God better. Two or three times throughout this uh, psalm, the, the implication is to, to know God, to inspect God, to investigate God. And, and we can do that a number of ways. <clears throat> of course, we can get to know God through His Word, spending more time in God's Word, uh, particularly concentrating on those, those texts, on those passages of Scripture which, which talk about God. That's one thing the Psalms are good for. Because the Psalms really open up to us who God is and how God works in our lives. I believe we can get to know God better by, by getting out in his, his creation. You know, Lori and I are living in the country for the first time ever in our lives. And, and we thought it would be quiet in the country. You know, we, we lived in northwest Oklahoma City and every third day, we were in the flight pattern of, of planes landing at Will Rogers uh, Airport, and it was just noisy. And we were also in the path from uh, Tinker Field to Reese Air Force Base, not Reese, whatever the Air Force Base is in Enid, Enid Air Force Base, and these huge military helicopters about every fourth or fifth day would, would fly directly over us. And they didn't, it didn't matter what time it was. I mean, it was just loud and noisy. So we assumed it'd be quiet in the country. It's not. At least it's not in the summer. And so one of the things that we, we enjoy doing is sitting out in our little screen porch uh, late at night and listening to the frogs and the crickets and the coyotes and everything else. I, I mean, Lori will occasionally say, I wonder what that is making that noise. I, mean, I don't know. But it, but it reemphasizes to us the power and the creativity of our God. 
and, and reminds us of, of who he is and, and just the joy and the wonder of living in his creation. So if you're stuck here in town, come out some evening and listen to the bullfrogs uh, with us and experience a little bit of that. So seek to know God better. I, I think you can get to know God better by spending more time with God's people. Taking advantage of the times that we have to be together. Got, got to experience that a little bit last night at uh, Ed and, and Carol, uh, Cheryl's house, Bullard. Uh, had a wonderful fish fry. In fact, Audie said, if you want to be invited to the fish fry, you need to be in the men's Wednesday night class. You know, And I just for, was fortunate. I'm not in that class, but I guess I'm the preacher. So they invited, invited me to be there. Just a one... Take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, that's one of the things uh, we, we want to accomplish through our life groups is just spending time with each other and getting to know each other better and, and experiencing God through each other. Secondly, I think this psalm points to the priority of God's grace. Right? Go back to that little phrase that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. I didn't comment on the word trouble, by the way, but it suggests, uh, again, a crisis, a situation in which someone must rescue us. And that's where we all are in our sin. And so as, this, as we think about that and we look toward Jesus in the New Testament, and, and we think about the priority of God's grace that, that God did for us through Jesus what we could not do for ourselves. And that is save us from our sin and open the door to have a relationship with him once again. And the priority of, of God's grace uh, also emphasizes that uh, God's timing is right God's timing is, is perfect. In fact, uh, Paul says in, in Galatians 4 that at just the right time, God sent his son into this world. And Paul emphasizes in Romans 5 that while we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. And so as we read through this psalm and we reflect upon God's protection and God's presence and, and his power, uh, thinking of how Jesus brings all of those together and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Number three, go, go back to verse uh, 10. And, and let's, uh, let's think for just a moment about this little phrase, be still. Now, we, we used to, back in my day, we sang a devotional song, Be Still and Know That I Am God. Everybody, everybody remember that? And, and so, so the suggest, and, and this, is, this is okay. And so the idea there maybe is, is uh, to stop, to slow down, maybe even, even retreat a little bit. And, and in a quiet time, you know, be still and reflect upon God. I'm all for those, by the way. But the idea there behind this uh, verb is really more of, of letting go of something. Uh, the, the etymology of this verb means to relax one's grip on something. Um, 
in uh, our Wednesday night class, those of you who've been a part of the class I'm teaching this summer, we've, we're, we're studying Revelation 2 and 3, what Jesus says to the seven churches of Asia. And two or three times in those two uh, chapters, Jesus tells them uh, to take hold of their faith, to, to persevere. And we've made the point that, that the word there suggests that, that we are gripping so hard and we've taken hold so hard that, that we can't let go. You know, and I've, I've illustrated it with back in the day, you know, taking batting practice, taking so many cuts in the bat, batting cage, so many swings, that it's like your hands become frozen to the bat. Well, this is kind of a different idea. It's, it's the idea of of stopping, of halting. God is trying to get our attention, but whatever it is that we're holding on to, rather than God, let go of it. And so what might that be in your life? What, what is it that you, you are holding on to that is affecting your relationship with God? M maybe... Maybe it's a dependence upon self. Maybe it is putting uh, work before God. Maybe it's putting some recreation before God. Maybe it is some habit uh, that is detrimental to your relationship with Jesus. And so God is saying, step back, let go of that, trust me. Know that I am God. Know that I am the answer. And so in that sense, relax. I'm in control. And then number four, we emphasized uh, the fact of, of God's presence. God remains with us today through Jesus and his spirit. Last fall, we discussed uh, the sermon, uh, not the Sermon on the Mount, we discussed the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And Matthew's gospel ends with Jesus ascending back to the Father with the promise that he would be with us. And so wherever we are, wherever we go, whatever time of day it is, Jesus has promised us that he is with us. And, and so in that sense, we are never alone. God is there through his son. And Peter told that great multitude of people on the day of Pentecost in about 30 A.D. or so, um, those of us who have been baptized into Jesus, we've received two blessings, forgiveness of sin and the indwelling of his spirit. And so in that sense, God is present with us. God remains among us. And so just, just, because, just because this psalm was written again over 3,000 years ago, God remains with his people. As I was preparing uh, this lesson uh, this past week, I came across um, an article. It's one year old. Uh, it was... Uh, written by a man named Neil McCarthy. It appeared on Forbes.com on June uh, 29th, 2018. And uh, the article was based on a recent Gallup poll. 
And the title of the article is simply The Institutions Americans Trust Most and Least in 2018. The article begins this way. The issue of trust has been increasingly called into question in this era of fake news. And even though in God we trust is the official motto of the United States, some might be forgiven for thinking trust has fully eroded in 21st century America. And so again, Gallup asked Americans about their confidence level in 15 societal institutions and only three of the 15, based on this survey, uh, received more than half support from the general uh, American population. The military at 74%. Small business at 67%. The police at 54%. Those are the only three. Presidency, 37, Supreme Court, 37, medical system, 36, banks, 30, and on it goes down, television news, uh, 20. What was interesting to me, the church, or as they put it, organized religion, received only 38%. Now, I would imagine among those of us who profess to be Christians, that would certainly be, be higher, right? But it does suggest where the general population is. And, and I would, of course, go so far to say the message of this psalm is we, we, we don't put our trust really in any institution. It's, it's in our Creator. And it's in our Savior. That's, that's where our trust belongs. And if, and if we're to... To, to enjoy this sense of peace and joy that we talk about. Um, this idea of, of commit, uh, contentment that we often talk about. Then our trust must be in God and in our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Because He will protect us. He is present among us and within us. And He does provide and he is powerful, and man, we, we could keep going with just words that begin with the letter P to emphasize how powerful and how wonderful our God is. And so this morning, again, the question is, is pretty simple. I, I mean, who, who, do, who do you put your trust in? Is it an institution? Is it self? Is it someone else? Or is our trust first and foremost fully and completely in God, our Creator? And being assured of that. And understanding what God has done through His Son, Jesus. Who are you trusting this morning? I think we're going to sing the greatest commands. One of the neat things about this song is we're singing scripture. Every single part is based on a text from God's word. And it, and it emphasizes our love for God. It emphasizes our love for each other. It's a perfect invitation song. We are here to support one another as we encourage each other to put our trust in God. If you need to respond this morning, we're here to encourage you, to pray for you. Please come while we stand and sing.